It's happening, folks. You're about to listen to episode 10 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Thank you to everybody who's been listening. If you're new to the show, welcome. If you've been at the show for a while, welcome back. Kick off your shoes, why don't you, and your socks as well. We're an open household. Bare feet are welcome. We're not going to judge you. And that's important to know. We're the one podcast that isn't going to judge your bare feet. A lot of the other podcasts out there have been talking. I don't want to name any names, um, but you can find a lot of them on iTunes, where you can find us as well. And if you're enjoying the show, why not rate us? Why not review us and let other iTunes users find the show and experience the non-shoe and sock joy that you get to experience exclusively during We Got This with Mark and Hal. Uh, very quickly, tonight, when this episode drops, by the time it is out into your ears, Mark and I will both be at Los Angeles International Airport preparing to leave for Australia and New Zealand for the Thrilling Adventure Hour tour. And if you are in Sydney or Wellington or Auckland or are planning to be between May 14th and May 23rd, you've got a shot to come see us. So go to thrillingadventurehour.com and then look for the On Tour in the top menu. And you can get information on tickets. There's going to be uh, not only performances of the Thrilling Adventure Hour with most of the Work Juice players, but also we're going to be doing the Work Juice player improv experience and an improv panel. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're both looking forward to coming there and performing for you. So hopefully you'll come and see us. But bring shoes there because they probably will kick you out of the theater if you don't wear them. And now, without any further ado, Episode 10 of We Got This. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Which is the best Star Wars film? That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcast should have a theme song. Podcast should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Greetings, my Padawans. Oh, Our hell. Padawans. <laughs> it's Star Wars Day. It is. May the 4th be with you, Hal. And may the 4th be with you, always. Um, and this is being this is being sent out to the world on May the fifth. Yes, which is uh, <laughs> Star Wars Hangover Day. Yeah. Well, it's weird because that would be the first of the Hangover Days, and then May the fifth is Cinco de Mayo. So a lot of people will also have a hangover on uh, the sixth of May. And you know yeah. what, Hal? Yes. May the sixth be with you. Thank you. May the sixth be with you as well. I like your Millennium Falcon T-shirt. Thank you. Uh, I like your white t-shirt, which is the color of Luke's robes in the first <laughs> Star Wars film. Um, can I tell you, first of all, a thing that has always been kind of weird to me? Please. The fact that it's called the Millennium Falcon, okay. when in the United States we say Falcon. Yes. For the bird. I always kind of, whenever I say Millennium Falcon, I always just a tiny, tiny bit cringe. Like, my, there's a little tiny spot in my brain that goes, you are saying a vocabulary word wrong. <laughs> no, that's the problem. I almost call it the Millennium Falcon. Like, <laughs> like try and get like halfway oh, between foul and fall foul. The Millennium Falcon. That sounds like the Millennium Vulcan though. Are you saying you didn't grow up watching Falcon Crest? <laughs> you know, I watched the Maltese Falcon. Oh, okay. That's yeah. classic cinema. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't guessed yet, our theme uh, for this episode is uh, which Star Wars film is the best Star Wars film 
of all time. Uh, almost all of them have a falcon of some sort in them. That's true. At least, and it's all them. the same falcon. Is no, no, no. Yeah. Just three of them have it. Sure, that's true. Is there like a Centurion Falcon before the Millennium Falcon? I kind of wish there was. The Decade Falcon. (laughs) Hey, I'm Dave. I pilot the Weak Falcon. (laughs) I got a one-hour Falcon. (laughs) And I also develop photographs. Because they also mispronounce that, obviously. Sure, they mispronounce everything. Every time I have to say photograph the way that they say it in the Star Wars movies, I there's that little part of me that cringes. Yeah, just a little part, though. Just a little part. So uh, let's talk about the Star Wars movies. Can- what is our favorite Star Wars movie? Yeah, I, I mean, is it fair to say that we can eliminate the prequels right away? It's really – you know what? It's really sad that that is the case, but I feel like it is. Let's talk about what we like about the prequels, though. Sure. Elements of the prequels that we enjoy, because I'm so tired of hearing Star Wars fans just... And there's there's a lot to dislike about them. It's really easy to... It's really easy to make fun of those three movies. But there are elements that that are really fun in them. I will start. Sure. I loved the final fight between uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin. Uh, a, a, a lava sword fight. Like, sure. taking away all elements of Star Wars from it, it's a sword fight on a volcano. Come on. In Revenge of the Sith. Yes, in Revenge of the, the Sith. This is the, trans- the transformative fight that we've heard about for years and years yes. as the Star Wars mythology grew. I agree. I thought, I thought it was a really I thought it was well, executed. well done fight. I'll even go back. Look, uh, I, I still remember first seeing the trailer for Phantom Menace. I was in college. And it came on TV and it was like an event that it was going to be on television. You couldn't – there was no YouTube in those days. I mean the internet existed of course but, you know, there was no – there was no like really popular video site where you could go to see it. So you had to right. be there on television. And the first time that you saw Darth Maul light up the two-sided lightsaber. Oh, every kid did the same thing. Oh, my God. Holy crap, double-headed lightsaber. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it was happening. Then, yeah. then I waited in line to get into the movie. We A large group of us, my parents included, we all had tickets. Um, and the movie was a big letdown. However, the lightsaber fight in that film, which is between Darth Maul and Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn, sure. is fantastic. It's a great fight. Yeah. I think all of the fight choreography in those movies is excellent. It is. It's definitely a step up because um, you're seeing the Jedi in their, in the, at the height of their power. And, uh, I think I love the character of General Grievous. Oh, the, you mean the Doc Holliday robot? Yeah. The, the one who's like, it's, well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm mesmerized by the idea of a robot with a cold. Like there is just <laughs> enough. There is just enough humanity left inside this shell. It's like, it's like uh, the transition for it's. Here's how, here's how General Grievous represents the Industrial Revolution. Oh boy, here we go again. <laughs> it is the shift from man to machine, and the last step before man becomes machine is a cold. A cold, sure. <laughs> I don't know true. if it's happenstance or what George Lucas is trying to say. Um. But I really like General Grievous. Is that really dumb? You know what? You're allowed to like – we're talking about the prequels. None yeah. of it is uh, is smart. And he's a better character than Jar Jar. I yes. mean episode one is full of 
offensive, what feel like offensive sort of racist yeah. uh, type characters from the 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 uh, Trade Federation, like Newt Gunray was like, oh, the people are coming. Like, <laughs> you're like, it's almost, I know that's almost racist, but it doesn't quite get there. The whole movie almost gets to racist like a billion times, but yeah. it's just like, oh, okay. Yeah, there's, and there's also like, I mean, I know we were talking about the things we like, but the lack of 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 practical effects in the films, the fact that they're almost entirely digital, that pulls bothers you out me. Yeah. But what did you like in the, in the second film, Attack of the Clones? Because that one is hard. I can't really outside of Yoda. Uh, yes, I do not remember anything from Attack of the Clones. That's fair. You're not alone. Yeah, there is nothing I remember. I'm pretty sure that uh the Hammer film Dracula was in it. Yep. Um, <laughs> I think right. he, yeah. He was there. Yeah. Christopher Lee. Saryaman was in that movie. Yes. Same guy. Wait, what? I know. No. I am ruining films for you here. Also, the guy who was, I believe, was Christopher Lee ever in an actual Star in one of the first Star Wars movies in a different role? No. No, he was not. Oh, I thought he was at some point in, it seemed no, like he should have been. Peter Cushing, who Peter played, Cushing, uh, yes. Van Helsing, was, was, <laughs> That's uh, what Grand it was. Moss Tarkin in A New Hope. That is exactly what I'm thinking of. All of the Hammer Films stars, both yeah. of them were represented by the Star Wars <laughs> trilogies, the saga. Sure. Um, but yeah, he had the, he, they, they had a really fun fight with him and Obi-Wan and. Yeah, and, 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 and then there was the Eye of Sauron was watching. No, look, I got. No, that's I, not Those movies came out around the same time and. Yeah, relatively and close. Christopher Lee just, Christopher, Christopher Lee muddied both the two towers and, uh, Attack of the Clones for me. Just imagine if he had played Dumbledore. Oh God, I would be, <laughs> I would not know my, Left foot from my right foot. <laughs> Which is hard enough as it is. I know. Especially if you spin yourself around in a circle first. Oh, How do you I've figure been doing out? the hokey pokey all day. <laughs> you know what? Not what it's all about. <laughs> uh, here's something else I'll say for the prequels. This is okay. probably the last positive thing I can say. Okay, then we'll stop more. talking about them because I don't want mm. to – on May the 4th, I don't want to uh, speak ill of of the heptology – no – Heptology, the study of reptiles. <laughs> that's herpetology. I don't even know. Heptology um, is oh, it's, that's the study of jazz. <laughs> no, like what do you call a, a sextet of films? A, not a trilogy. Yeah, if there's six like of sextet. them. I mean, it's a saga. They call it the Star Wars saga. Even yeah, but I, I want more specificity than that. A um, saga can be a lot longer than six films. How about the entire canon? The entire Star Wars canon? Yeah, that's also huge. I want. So, I want. I want to know the word that is specific to. There are six films. Let's go with heptology. I like but it. But isn't Hep 7? Ah, oh, forget it. Probably Look, is. We're veering way off topic. Say the last <laughs> nice thing you wanted to say. Um, well, two things. Sorry. Uh, the first is, uh, I took when, when they, when the plan was to release all the Star Wars films in 3D, starting with the prequels, and The Phantom Menace came out in 3D, I was like, you know what? Let me, let me check this out. Because, because in some sick part of my mind that, that has some grade of OCD, I'm a completist. I want to have seen <laughs> the films in all their different versions. Yes. So I, I, I took, took Jennifer, my wife with me. She agreed to come, which was very gracious of her. She's not a huge Star Wars fan. Not that she dislikes them, just wasn't a huge part of her growing up. And so I took her to see it and I, and the whole time I'm setting her up, I'm going, 
listen, this film is not it's not very good. It's the weakest of all six. Um, <laughs> That's what everyone wants to hear when they're yeah. skeptical of going to a movie anyway. Look, like, look, honey, I know you don't want to go see this movie, but let me reassure you, it's not good. Well, it's better than than building it off of a lie. <laughs> I did not want to do that. And plus, you want her to know that her instincts are right. Exactly. <laughs> you, you were 100% right to not want to see this. But, you know, I set her up. I was like, this is the... This is the one that I like the least, and it, it gets generally panned. Um, but let's watch it and see what you think. And the movie ends, and I turn to her and I go, uh, so what did you think? And she thinks about it for a second and turns to me and goes, I loved it. And here's what she loved. She loved the, you know, she liked the effects and the scale of it as we watched the other prequels. Like we wound up watching three more of the Star Wars films that weekend. Mm-hmm. She, what pulled her in was the love story, which is the thing that, that most, that most people and probably a lot of guys would be like, that's, that doesn't, that seems kind of out of place. I don't like the way they handled the romance. So I, I learned to appreciate the fact that any film can pull anybody in from a certain sure. aspect. Uh, second thing is if you watch, uh, Revenge of the Sith, which is episode three, mm-hmm. and then immediately watch episode four, the original Star Wars film, it actually does enhance certain portions of, of A New Hope. Uh, I would agree with both of those things. I think as to your first point about um, the romance, it's not so much that uh, the romance seems out of place. Mm-hmm. It's that the it's that the romance seems there's no sophistication to it. Sure, it's very much a storybook romance, mm-hmm. and a storybook romance is great. Uh, so I don't have a problem with the romance in it. I I think that. Uh, you have to have characters that you believe in. In anything, you've got to want to – whatever you have to root for those characters. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know or anybody that's listening doesn't already know. <laughs> you want to root for the characters. So the romance is great. Um, are we done with the uh, first three films? I think we Episodes can... one, two, and three. Yeah, I think we can It's leave. so confusing to do that. <laughs> oh, God. Whenever I try to explain it to Jennifer, like I reference one of the films, it becomes like who's on first. I'm like episode one. Oh, you mean the first film? No, that's episode four. Well, which one is uh, Empire Strikes Back a part of? Well, that's the original trilogy. Oh, so it's episode two? No, that's actually episode five. But I think once you get the concept, she might be screwing with you. She might have gotten the concept long ago and is like, look what I'm making this guy do. You know what? I would not put that past her at all. Here's a fun side story. Um, I don't think she'd mind me telling this. When she and I were first dating, like within a a month of us going out. Um, it was close to the 4th of July or something like that. And I, she had plans to go to a party. I had previous plans with a friend of mine and we'd already worked it out. So it wasn't, you know, and she called me that day. I pick up the phone. I'm like, hello. And she, she I know goes, how phone calls begin. <laughs> oh, you sure? Yeah. Look, for the people out there, okay. somebody calls you on the phone. You want to say hello. She calls <laughs> me. I pick up the phone and she, she says, where are you? You're supposed to be here. Uh, you said you were going to be here. And I, and immediately in my head, I'm like, Oh my goodness. Did I? And I'm just, I, I'm just going, well, I think I, I, I mean, I, I, I thought I remembered, but I didn't, I, you know, I thought I said I wasn't good. And then after about like, she lets it go on for 30 to 45 oh. seconds and then just starts laughing. Like, <laughs> I know you're not supposed to be here. She loves messing with me. Yeah, I'm, your I'm wife a, is hilarious. She is. She's a brilliant and talented uh, comedian who also has a a 
a dirty mean <laughs> a streak, mean streak. <laughs> for me, and and I am a different level of of uh, gullible with her than I am with anybody else on the planet. <laughs> And and that was established early on. So if she does it now, it's not like I like we well, never did this before. No, month yeah, in she she's been it. holding on to that football and yanking it out from under you <laughs> daily for the entirety of your relationship. She promised she would do that in her vows. <laughs> <laughs> um. So okay. So the original trilogy. Yes, we are now up to episode four. Did you grow up a? Huge Can I tell you a couple? Of, I, yeah. Here's I. There are other things I like about the original or about the episodes one two and three sure and everything that i keep thinking of is from episode three i think that i like the idea of that transition i like watching anakin's transition sure. to me that is uh that's an anti is it an anti i don't know what an anti-hero exactly means but to watch <laughs> a person go from good to bad feels like anti-hero right well anti-hero is more like uh like a guy who does the right thing maybe for the wrong reasons okay um, if anti-hero means like taxi driver it means a movie where not really anything happens until the last four minutes. Yeah, Anakin just talks into a yeah. mirror for yeah. three hours. Yeah, he's just sort of angsty and quiet for a while. And then at the end, he gives himself a mohawk and you're like, whoa, this movie was boring for like an hour and a half. What just happened? Look at all these people he's shooting all of a sudden. Um, no, that, that journey um, into the darkness is definitely, that's it's what fun. And it's see. fun to watch, uh, it, it's fun to watch actors chew scenery. Who's mm-hmm. the actor that plays the emperor? Um, uh, I cannot remember his name. I assumed you would be the IMDb for this episode. I know, now. I should be. And for some reason, his name, it will come to me later on. Uh, I have a blast watching that guy chew scenery. Sure. For some reason, the line, not from a Jedi. Yes. Keeps going through my head. Like that is, that is the scenery gobblingest moment in that whole, uh, sextet heptology of movies. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, like uh, that whole scene where that did I ever tell you the story of Doth Plagueis the Wise? <laughs> yeah. That's that whole that scene. Whole... And that actor is the same guy who played the Emperor in in uh, Return of the Jedi. So he's not a new – he's right. one of the few actors that actually carries through along with the droids, obviously. Sure. Um, um, I'm sorry. Frank the droids? The droids. The voices of the droids. Well, Anthony Daniels is inside of a suit sometimes, and right. sometimes it's just a voice. And Kenny Baker, who's R two D two, for a long time, at least in the original trilogy, the voice inside. Well, he's not the voice. Ben Burt <laughs> is making all of the uh, all of the noises, but he's inside manipulating. Wait, the there head is actually a person who is, mm-hmm. or is he's like the sound engineer, right? Kenny Baker. Well, Ben Burt is was the sound engineer for okay. Star Wars, so he sound he decided what R two D two sounds like. Yes, he all of that Chewbacca. What Chewbacca sounds like, he mixed all the animals together. Um, He designed the sounds of the lightsaber. Um, Very cool. And the sounds of the lasers are taking the tension wires that that hold up like a utility pole. Mm -hmm. And you – if you hit it with like a like a metal rod and then run the rod up the side, that's why – when you'll you'll hear that sometimes when tension wires move, they sound like – They sound like lights. They sound like the laser blasters. Whoa. You just blew my mind, Hal Lublin. Well, that's what I'm here to do. Ah. This so, is why I love you. Um, okay, so continue. You were a big Star Wars fan as a kid? I was a big Star Wars fan as a kid. I, uh, I never got as much into, I didn't get all the details like mm-hmm. this that you have. Yeah. Um, but I loved the movies. I watched the movies a million times and I did love watching behind the scenes documentaries of the movies. Um, I feel like I may have told this story before. Again, like I said, I'm going to start doing that a lot. Go ahead. Um, about the uh, the pig head guard and seeing the the servos 
Oh, the Gamorrean guard. The Gamorrean yeah. guard. Yeah. Yes. Um, that one of my favorite things that I've ever seen on television was watching the Gamorrean guard, uh, the head sitting on a table, mm-hmm. uh, and watching someone with what looked like an airplane controller moving around the head. So the snout would go up and down and the eyes would move. And it was all just servos and wires connected to. A, uh, uh, this handheld remote. Mm-hmm. And I watched that. I think it was on an episode of Standby Lights Camera Action, narrated by Leonard Nimoy, hosted by Leonard Nimoy. Sure. My favorite show when I was a little kid. And, um, so I was really into that element of it. I did not understand that the lightsabers were an optical effect. Right. I spent my entire childhood wondering how in the world they got the lightsabers to look like that and do that. <laughs> I thought, was it mirrors? Did they sure. have fluorescent bulbs? But then when they hit them against one another, how would it not shatter? Yes. Um. So where were we? What got onto this train? Well, no, you were talking about uh, some of the things that stand out to you. Yes. Um. You did, and you eventually learned how they did the, the lightsabers, right? You've since seen that in behind the scenes. Um, it was just, uh, they added it in post-production. They were rods with reflective material right, on yes. them that they would fill in later. So yes. they actually could bang them against one another. So they would talk about, uh, when they were being interviewed years later, like, oh, we broke like nine lightsabers doing this scene. Um, the thing that I remember from, from the Return of the Jedi behind the scenes stuff, and this came out when we were kids in mm-hmm. 1983 when the movie came out, was that it took like I think like four guys to work Job of the Hut? Oh yeah, I, we watched the same. We watched the same documentary. Yeah. I bet, and they showed the guys in there. Yeah, um, yeah, and the tongue, and maybe that that may be uh, that definitely adds points to Return of the Jedi being my favorite movie. Sure, because it's the one that just at the particular age that I am, uh, that was the one that I got to see how they made it and was fascinated early on by the making of movies specifically for that scene. It's why I loved the Rancor monster knowing that that was a miniature. It's why I yep. loved the Sarlacc pit when mm-hmm. I would see I, in this documentary, they showed the stunt men going down and tumbling into this pit with rubber spikes sticking out of it that are pretty obviously rubber spikes. Sure. When you watch the movie. Look, it's 1983. Yeah. They didn't have computers, which, which was great. I mean, it still works. Yeah. Um, um, and then, uh, the, the Princess Leia outfit, the slave costume for Princess Leia definitely gives points to Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Look, I, rather than, we're going to probably jump around the original Wait, yeah. three quite a bit. I, Return of the Jedi, I remember my parents taking me out of school to go to a matinee. Your parents are, uh, are terrible, terrible parenting as far as grades go. I think you mean awesome. Uh, listen, Hal, did you have a quiz or a test that afternoon? It was- or how about the quiz or test after that? Um, it was first grade. I wasn't, I wasn't preparing for the SATs. Well, we went to different kinds of schools then, didn't we? Hal? I guess we did. Yeah. I hope you had fun at Phillips Exeter Academy for first grade. I don't know what yeah. I'm saying. The point you is. You know what I was when I was a kid? I was Scrooge from the uh, Christmas past flashback. <laughs> Watching all the other kids go home for Christmas break. Me and my knee breeches. <laughs> Which you're still wearing. I am currently wearing my knee breeches and my tricorn hat. Did I mention I'm at the tea party and we had a thing tonight? <laughs> no, but I would have guessed. Oh, it was great. I brought my accordion. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> so they took me out of school to see Return of the Jedi. I yes. remember my mother having to explain to my Israeli school teacher <laughs> what Star Wars was and why I was going to be missing class. Yeah. And how do you, t- how do you tell a teacher that, um, I need to take my son out of school seeing a movie is more important? <laughs> 
I don't my, look. My mother was a hell of a negotiator. You knew her. I did. She, she was a wonderful uh, lawyer. Yeah, and a, and a great charmer of yes. people. Um, but th- that movie holds a special place in my heart for for that reason. Okay. That experience of seeing it. Um, and a lot of the you know people talk about the job of the hut stuff in the beginning and the escape from Tatooine being the best part, and that everything everything afterwards is not as strong. But I think there's a lot of great stuff. All throughout that movie, it's definitely got the most action of any mm-hmm. of the films. The the lightsaber fight at the end is is great and very emotional. And and look, there are going to be spoilers in this episode if you haven't seen the original. I really, Star Wars if film. you're listening to this, I'd hope you would have seen the yeah. films. You've but we don't want to be presumptuous. We, I mean, a lot of the stuff we talk about is toilet paper and hot dogs. This is a little less universal, right? But also, this these films have been out for over thirty years. You you've had time. So you can okay. pause it if you haven't seen it. Go see it and then come back. I am but, a little more forgiving. I'm going to play good cop here, and Hal's <laughs> going to play bad cop. Yeah, when Vader throws the Emperor into the into the turbine. Oh, that is a, that is a really really great moment in how it's shot and how it plays out. It's beautiful. And then when James Bond shows up and saves Luke Skywalker, this is for the people that haven't seen it. Oh, right? okay. oh, great, great. Um, <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I feel like Return of the Jedi is the climax of every storyline. Yes. Um, whether it's the personal story of Luke and Darth Vader, mm-hmm. or it's the story of the rebels versus the empire, uh, or the story of, I'm going to keep coming back to this, the, uh, the manpower versus machine power. Um, yes, absolutely. And it, it's, it's where all of it meets and comes to a head. And plus all the stuff at the beginning is just fun. The whole first part with Jabba the Hutt really is, a stepping stone that they have to get through. It's a hiccup that got thrown into the stories to sure. get back to the main plot line. Um, but everything in that movie is really fun to me. So that's so far. We haven't talked about the other two. I guess we're going backwards. Yeah, we um, can, we can certainly go back. Can we do that since we're, we should get some structure to this? I, guess. I do want to say though, as much as it may mm-hmm. feel thrown on to you that the job of the hut stuff, the, the sequence, if, if you were put, if you were to put together a top three, list of just the best sequences in any of the films Mm -hmm. that entire sequence of luke being pushed over the plank and getting his green lightsaber for the first time that's got to be that's got to be in there maybe number two or or possibly even number one i didn't realize that was the first time he got that lightsaber yes because he lost his father's lightsaber when his hand was cut off so he constructed his own lightsaber ah you know i never really uh noticed that i haven't i guess it's uh Oh, because I first saw it when I was a kid. Right. I noticed the things that I noticed for nostalgia reasons, and I don't. I'm not still. I guess I'm not still looking for details. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm just watching and enjoying things. the movie. There are a lot of fun little details yeah. that you can find. And and I want to say we're talk. We are not talking about special edition. We're talking about the original theatrical right. releases. You can find them. Uh, in fact, there are versions. There are even Blu-ray versions called Despecialized. Oh, really? Where somebody Somebody went in and removed all of the special edition stuff. And I still have it. my it's 1997 uh, box set. The one with Leonard Malton doing an intro yes. for each one. When when Return of the Jedi, I, I do a ter- I don't even do a Leonard Malton. <laughs> you do a great Leonard Malton. It's me, Leonard Malton. See, all you have to do is say that you're Leonard Malton. Suspension of disbelief, man. Watch this. Hola, yo soy Leonard Malton. Whoa! Did Leonard Malton just walk in? Exactly. Fantastic. Uh, let's go on to The Empire Strikes Back. Yes, let's. Are we Are we done with... Return of the Jedi. Absolutely. So, well, let, let's summarize Return of the Jedi. For nostalgia's sake, for the age that we are, yes. uh, that's the first one that we're really cognizant of being in theaters and being a thing. Yep. 
Um, also, it's the culmination of a lot of great, uh, a lot of great things. Yep. It's all of the storylines and icon- it's, it's nothing but iconic scenes. The whole movie sure. is just like filled with iconic and scenes. And strong action, probably the most action of any yes. of the films. And the Ewoks are cute and funny. Yeah, they are. And they, I like the Ewoks. And they pack a punch. Yeah. They're, they're able to fight back pretty well. They're not, they're not just a uh, decoration. As cute as they are, they're also, uh, they're very functional. They're, yeah, they're effective. By the way, a little bit of trivia. Mm-hmm. Did you know that originally they were supposed to be Wookiees? It was supposed to be on Chewbacca's yes. home planet. Fair enough. I did know that. Uh, <laughs> when it was all going to be one movie, right? When George Lucas was going to make one movie that did the whole saga, it was going to be them. And then, uh, when he decided to break it up into three, he reversed the name Wookiee to Ewok. Yep. And made him, cut him in half. Made him cute instead of big and werewolfy. Yes. Yeah. I had a stuffed wicket that I brought with me <laughs> everywhere. Oh, I loved that thing. Oh, I, I think I had a stuffed wicket too. Yeah. But he lost that, like. The hood. The hood. Yeah, he lost the hood, cowl. so it just became a teddy bear. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that separates Paddington from wicket is costuming. <laughs> I wish we could have, but let's get a, let's get a wicket and put a raincoat. <laughs> No rain hat on it, and it will become Paddington. Oh, Bear. if anyone listening is good with Photoshop, please give us a Paddington wicket. <laughs> it's all we ask. It's not much. <laughs> all right, now okay. we're ready to go on to uh, the Empire Strikes Back. Yes, first film I ever saw in a theater. Really? Okay, ever. so I was sentiment- sentimentality. It's a watch so far. Well, yeah. I look. Return of the Jedi was a special experience because mm-hmm. I was a lot more aware by then. I had seen Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. so I was anticipating it. Gotcha. Empire Strikes Back. I had seen the. I remember being in my in my grandmother's uh, apartment in in the Northeast, and the commercial came on, and I saw Yoda, and I was like, "What is that?" I'm three years old, and I've just been hypnotized by television. And then and then we went and saw it in the theater, and it was. It's incredible. What year did that movie come out? 1980. Okay. Uh it's very rare that our ages are any have any sort of play in what we're discussing. True. This is one of those rare times that it does Yes. because I was uh, an infant in 1980. Yes. And would not have uh I would not have gotten to see the movie in a theater. Yes. But what do you remember of that? Um do you remember I, like do you remember the movie itself or is it just individual images? I remember the movie itself. I remember all the different scenes in it. Shortly after that, I had, um, I'm sure there was like a Star Wars magazine for kids or something mm-hmm. that came out and I cut the pages out and had them on the wall, uh, by my bed. Um, but it was just, it was magical. And that, that film holds a special place in my heart because of that. Okay. I, I also think in terms of character development and, and just performance and relationship building, that it's the strongest of the three films. And that's because of, of Irvin Kirshner directing director. it, who was, who was George, one of George Lucas's professors in film school. Interesting. And he, what did he teach him? Do you know? Um, uh, probably directing sequels. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm wondering if his directing, uh, if his, if it was more of a technical thing or if it was an acting thing, because that's the thing that George Lucas all the time gets criticized for. Yeah. Uh, maybe unfairly so at times is, the relationships between the characters and the way that they deal with one another. Right. Uh, that he's excellent with action sequences and this grand sweeping overall world that he's created. Sure. But when it comes to one-on-one stuff. So I'm wondering if Irving Kirshner was, uh, came more from that school. 
I wonder if he ever directed a play, I guess, is what I'm, I'm sure uh, he did. Cause a I'm lot, saying. if you ever hear him interviewed about it, it's a lot about the relationships between the characters, letting the actors do their thing. So mm-hmm. you see, you also have the benefit of all those actors having played those characters once already and ready to take them in a different direction. And, right. and, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stillness before, you know, the stillness of Hawk before that battle mm-hmm. takes place is really like, you 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 feel everything a little deeper maybe than you do in a new hope okay well because yeah like you said with the actors having spent more time with those characters in a new hope it feels like they didn't know what it was going to be they knew that it was just oh we're making this space movie yeah, yeah all right i'll cash a paycheck <laughs> making a space movie <laughs> and then i'll go on to do my art uh <laughs> but um remind me of i feel like i feel like i don't I remember Hoth. Sure. I remember the, the Tauntaun scene at the, at the beginning of the film. Yes. Uh, I remember the fight at the end in Cloud City with, uh, Luke and, uh, Darth Vader and the yes. famous line that, what's the story on that? It, like, it wasn't, uh, nobody knew on set except, uh, James Earl Jones that that's what he was going to say. Yeah. It, the recorded line was, Obi-Wan is your father. Mm hmm. Uh, Lu- uh, Mark Hamill, I think, was told, like, right before they, they filmed it what what the truth was so he was able to sort of play it that more mm-hmm. and then they recorded the actual line later on so that was a really that was back when you could keep a secret in a yeah. movie like i don't think today you'd be able to get away with that no i have the script of the new one and know the whole plot for the next three <laughs> um for episodes uh seven eight and nine i got them if you want them oh that's great yeah i'm having ryan johnson call me once a week just to tell me just what to he's tell you what's going on yeah <laughs> um so and then that was and then there Yoda? was yo okay yes there was all the Yoda stuff that yes. was that that was the big thing in episode uh episode 5 yeah the th- the second film episode crazy, 5 crazy Yoda yeah it was crazy Yoda it was like crazy socratic uh like <laughs> I'm trying to think of a, a, a something to compare it to but I can't like Yoda is the benchmark Yoda is yeah. the Q-tip he's the Kleenex like <laughs> Yoda is a verb now. <laughs> to Yoda somebody is to mentor them. Yes. Um, but I mean, it, it, here's the funny thing is like, he, Luke shows up in Dagobah, right? Mm-hmm. And then that he, is racist against my people. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, George, you're right. George Lucas is racist. Yeah. See, there it is. So he shows up and then Yoda's there pretending there's, uh, to be there's crazy. Dagobah. There's, oh no, I'm going to stop that joke right now. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> all the bars. You remember all the bars? I do remember all the bars. All right. I'm stopping. <laughs> Thank goodness. Continue, please. Hour four of Bargate is starting now. <laughs> no, uh, when, when he first shows up, Yoda's either pretending to be crazy or has not seen another person <laughs> forever. Cause he's just like, <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. And he, he's like obsessed with a flashlight and getting like the granola bar that Luke you know has. What, you know what I think it might be? Uh, back then, at that point in time, this was 1980. Yeah. Nowadays, Yoda is a Jedi. Sure. Back then, Yoda was a Muppet. Yes. Like, he was acting like a Muppet. The character of Yoda was played by a Muppet. Yes, that's true. You know, Miss Piggy played Yoda. That's why he goes, yay! Yeah, <laughs> Who can forget the iconic yeah. scene of Yoda karate chopping a snake? Oh, man, it was amazing. And then just finding that frog and kissing him and referring to him as Kermy. <laughs> here's the thing, though. He was, he was a Muppet, but, well, here's my question. In that first scene. I just remember the yeah. very first introductory scene of Yoda. Yeah. Like, is he, 
was he playing crazy to try and test Luke's patience, or was he just like he's like, mm, oh, there's a person, yes, oh, very exciting, and then he finally realizes later on, like, oh yeah, I used to teach. Thousands yeah. of kids <laughs> how to use the force. Maybe I should calm down a little bit. You know, it's been a while since Obi-Wan's written. I hope he's okay. Uh, you know what I honestly think it was? And this may make me sound like a cynic. What? I think it is as simple as, hey, for the sequel of this movie, those Muppets are popular. Get that Frank Oz guy in here. What's this? All right. And do some Muppety stuff. <laughs> All right. What do, what do Muppets act like? Oh, they act like this. All right. Justified. Hey, so he's crazy. I hadn't seen anybody in a while. Great. <laughs> cut. Print. The Muppet stays in the picture. <laughs> I like your impression of Irvin Kirshner yeah. a lot. He sounds a lot like uh, Bob. Uh, what's his name? The kid stays in the picture guy. Be- Evans. Bob Evans. Uh, yes. Not to be confused with the southern country restaurant, Bob no. Evans. Down on the farm. I wish it was. I'll never forget the first time Ali, <laughs> Ali McGraw walked into my restaurant. I yeah. was in love with her. I made her a meatloaf. <laughs> and then we made the godfather together. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, all of his of- words end as if the, uh, he was like sick and dying and like the, like on paper <laughs> where the pen would do that like trail off thing. <laughs> Did you ever, uh, did you ever in a creative writing class as a kid, like if you ever like write a story, did you ever have the main character die while writing? I think I used that trope like three times. No. One times I, one time I did it, uh, one time I did it while typing. So I just hit the same letter for like a minute and a half and just like filled the rest of a page with it. Especially very visual author at nine. Did that ever work? No, it never worked. The teacher was like, finish your paper, dip. <laughs> Sorry for swearing. <laughs> well, anyway. All right. Let's get back to, uh, I feel like I'm responsible for most of the veering off topic on this. That's, episode. that's, well, then you are saving this episode <laughs> because I could go deep diving. Here's the thing that people, I'm people, keeping you shallow. Uh, that, yes. Shallow. Oh, come on, guys. Oh, uh, let's talk about that movie next time. Oh, please never. <laughs> um, Here's the thing that people criticize about Empire Strikes Back is mm-hmm. that it it's not a complete film. It relies on the film before it and the film after it to tell that the is, story. That is a big uh, – that's a big critique that I personally would have of it as well. Sure. So it's a middle film. Yeah. Which – and everybody says – and th- that's why it kind of bothers me when everybody says it's the best film mm-hmm. because if you – because not everybody, but a lot of people do. Um, yeah. Because if there's a newbie to it, like I know I wanted to start watching James Bond movies and I was like, all right, what's the best James Bond movie? I'll start there. So right. if you're, if everyone is saying Empire Strikes Back is the best movie, so people are like, all right, I'll start there. People who are uninitiated into the world of it, I feel like that would be an off-putting, that would be an off-putting first film to watch. Sure. Yeah. It doesn't make as much sense. Just like Godfather mm-hmm. 2 and Godfather 1. If you, right. Godfather 2 is, is insufferable unless you've seen Godfather 1 and then it's brilliant and exactly and possibly better than the first Godfather. Mm-hmm. That's a different episode. Sure. So then let's let's go to the film that that started it all, the little sci-fi movie that could. Hey, we're just going to make this uh this space picture. Yeah. <laughs> just a little space. Yeah, what's it called Space Wars? Yeah. <laughs> what are you, what what is it called? Planet Fight? Planet Fight. <laughs> we like it. What do they wear little boxing gloves? We can put that on a poster. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Pluto's all mad because, you know, Disney took his name. So he's punching it up and then he gets, you know, excommunicated from planethood. <laughs> so, so since it's Star Wars Day, I was actually talking about this film today with, with some friends mm-hmm. and the fact that it, that it established a modern mythology. That the reason why people connected with it so much is not just because they hadn't seen 
effects like that before or a science fiction film exactly like that before. Mm-hmm. It really did sort of change the game by combining so many different popular elements of mythology. But that's the thing. There's nothing really original in it. It's got a hero's quest. It's got the old. Sure. It's wizard. Joseph Campbell's everything. Exactly. Um, but it's, it's what is our version of that mythology? And it's, it's Star Wars. That's, that's our modern mythology. And it's not something that we believe is true to explain something. It's just a story we connect with that, that for some is like a moral compass and some helps them understand maybe the way the world around them works. But it is very much, uh, here is good, uh, the, 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 the force and here is evil, the dark side and, that mythology, uh, did you, did you ever see the movie, uh, Reign of Fire? The, about the dragons? It was kind of a cool movie with, uh, it's, <laughs> it's Matthew McConaughey and Christian Bale in this post-apocalyptic world where they live in castles, uh, I'm and fight dragons. Go ahead. It's very odd, uh, but it's really, really fun. And the, uh, and they use, the elders of the tribe use Star Wars as the religion that they teach to the youngsters. And I remember seeing this movie and thinking that is plausible. There is, you know, there's a fight between you. you it's just sort of a, a brief shot in the movie. It's a, but it's a, he's telling, reading this Bible and it's the story of the fight between Luke and Vader. Yep. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think you're right. And that was the genius of that movie is that it established not only not only a great mythology, but a a really compelling cast of characters. Like I, it is that it's Joseph Campbell, but God is in the details, and mm-hmm. the details are what's so much fun about that. You've got the bounty hunter and his Wookie friend. You've yep. got every character in the Mos Eisley Cantina. They're all. It was just a field day of uh, a field day for artists, and I think that's another big thing about it that created this mythology, we can't just attribute it to George Lucas. Sure. It is George Lucas is a brilliant collaborator because he gave so many artists the opportunity to, to just play. Sure. And that I think is that it, while it may not be the best of the movies, um, and we have yet to really determine it. I'm sure. sure. But uh, while it may not be the best of the movies, it is the representative for the entire saga. Absolutely. Does that make sense? It can stand in as the rep for the whole thing. Yeah. Only one of them can be the first movie and can have that cultural impact. Sure. And, and, and none of the other films have and none of them could because Star Wars sort of broke the mold. Mm-hmm. Um, everything, the music, the, the costume, they really created a whole world and it's still exciting to watch. And yeah. it's still, I just watched up. a new trailer the other day and got excited. For another Star Wars movie. That is, people have been watching trailers and getting excited for Star Wars movies for 35 years. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really incredible the, the extent to which it continues to sort of dazzle people. And that mm-hmm. film does have it all. I mean, the, the trench battle and uh, the Death Star is great. The battle between, uh, Obi-Wan and Darth Vader is probably the weakest of the lightsaber fights because mm-hmm. You've got an old man versus a guy who's just figuring out how to wear a suit made entirely of like <laughs> leather and whatever, whatever other materials they use to make car seats in that time. <laughs> Wait, are you, are you, are you talking about, uh, the actor in the suit or are you talking about the character Darth Vader? Cause I like the idea that the car seats on the Death Star and Darth Vader are made out of the same material. <laughs> oh, great. Here comes Chairhead. <laughs> 
Oh, don't let him hear you, man. He He's going to choke you. Well, he can hear everything anyway. Just don't even think stuff. I don't know how that crap works. I don't know. It's like Tai Chi or something that he does. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think he dreams about? Oh, let's just go get lunch. Race you to the cafeteria. <laughs> okay. And that was the last day on the Death Star. A one-act play. Yeah. Not, that's what's really Mark sad. Not a lot of people know this, that when he, uh, when Luke finally got those two shots off and blew up the Death Star, uh, that was when they were all on lunch. That's which right. is really, really sad. <laughs> it was lunch break. Yeah. Oh, lunch break on the Death Star. Yeah. Don't take a lunch break. That's Why does that lesson. sound like a Flaming Lips song? <laughs> oh, I think it is. <laughs> they just performed it live at Budokan. Uh, all right. Do we want to talk about any details of episode one, episode four? I mean, there are I mean, so there's, many. There are so many iconic things in there. I really do feel like that the, the big me. overriding thing for it is – it's the first one. It invented yeah. the world. Yeah. Um, the canteen scene or the cantina. The cantina is, is amazing. Is fantastic. Uh, but that's not the question. The okay. question is, what is the best Star Wars film? Well, I'm, I'm ready to make a decision. Are you? Uh, I mean, we have to come to a unanimous decision. I, I, I've got my favorite. I do too. And I, but I could go in two different directions. Okay. <laughs> what is yours? Mine is The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Which one are you going to go with? I said I could go one of two ways. Go, go the other way. The Let's two ways I could go are Star Wars, A New Hope, and Return of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me sell you, okay? Okay. Here, here's, here's what I think the determining factor is, and it's the one thing we haven't talked about in these films, and that's the music. You take yes. the score of all three of those films, and neither, neither A New Hope nor Return of the Jedi hold a candle to The Empire Strikes Back, through which music plays almost the entire film. That's interesting. The first time you hear the Imperial March is is in The Empire Strikes Back. Darth Vader's theme in, in A New Hope is different. A lot of people forget that. Um, what was his theme in A New Hope? It, every time he came out, it was... That was it. He had a sting. But that... That came in Empire Strikes Back. Uh... Han and Leia's love theme, which is called, I think, The Princess and the Smuggler. Oh, wait, was I doing Indiana Jones? Yes, but it's very same, same composer. Sure. Brilliant John Williams. Oh, John Williams hacked himself. (laughs) He's the only one who could do that. Darth Vader's original theme. Here comes Yoda. Yeah, but I mean that the uh the entire chase through the asteroid field, the music for that is fantastic. So it just there's something about it. It's it is a little bit darker, but the it's the best the best performances from the lead, the best music in any of the films. It's it's dark and also the lightsaber fight mm-hmm. in that film is the best one. Fi- find a more What's the lightsaber fight in that film? That's that's the one that takes place in Cloud City. It starts in oh, the Oh uh, yeah, the, in the carbonite right. chamber and then ends on the little bridge yes. and he sacrifices himself. I do Luke, remember that. Believingly he does. It's the only way to escape rather yeah. than join his father. Um but th- them crossing their their lightsaber blades for the first time mm-hmm. silhouetted is incredible. And the poster for Return of the Jedi, which has the same image, is biting off of the Empire Strikes Back poster. Or that that image from Empire Strikes Back. Um, 
I, while I have my, while I have my problems with, uh, with it, that middle movie thing that it doesn't stand alone as a film, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that it's a little darker, I like my movies to have a happy ending. Sure. Um, I, as an actor, I have to respect that that movie is the best acted. And, uh, and I have to respect, uh, the, musicianship it's old school it's the movie that as you are describing it it's the movie that uses the most old school technique sure uh those techniques just being good acting and good music gives you chill i have chills right now thinking about it um literally the hairs on the back of my neck are standing up right now (laughs) good i'm gonna come over there and feel them hold on you feel the back of my neck they are they're up they are i can't tell if it's just because you just got a haircut though well, could be either one. Um, so I, I had my haircut by Empire Strikes Back. That's why. <laughs> Did you? Was it a lightsaber? Yeah. Uh, what do you want me to do with this? Oh, just be careful. <laughs> what number? <laughs> Five. Oh, you like it long? Oh, long. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> was my head electrical cable? Uh oh. Uh, I will go. Uh, I will join you. And I will say that The Empire Strikes Back is the superior Star Wars film. So, so there you go, everybody. In, in a, in a saga filled with groundbreaking moments, groundbreaking, uh, techniques in filmmaking and, and on Star Wars Day with full respect to all the Star Wars films, mm-hmm. you can all stop arguing about it. We're done. The best one is The Empire Strikes yeah, Back. That's the best movie. Yeah. Yeah. Until episode seven, eight, nine come out. Maybe one of them will unseat it. I hope so. I want those to be good. Sure. I want them to be great. Yeah. Yeah. But I you know what? I want to do right great. now. This is what we do. This is what we do. We're going to talk like this. Yeah. We're whispering Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> Who are these Jedi? <laughs> we didn't talk about Lando at all. Oh, he's the coolest guy. He is really the coolest person ever. Who, you gotta be cool. You, it was you when really you met, you know what made me think of that? It was when you started doing this, like, little Seinfeld voice. The voice of Billy D. Williams came in my head and I was like, that guy's got the coolest voice oh in the gosh. whole world. I made some certain arrangements that are going to keep the Empire out of here permanently. <laughs> All right. Lando alone makes it the best movie. Yeah. But, and and by the way, it just did a nod to Return of the Jedi. If you can get away with uh, disguising yourself in a gangster's <laughs> hideout by wearing a World War One helmet and some puka <laughs> necklaces across your face, you are super cool. Hats off to you, Lando Calrissian. Oh, man. I had that figure. I had that Lando. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Me too. Of course you did. And you lose the helmet first. Uh, no, I would take the helmet off and I would put it on my pinky. <laughs> <laughs> so your pinky, you go, you and go. And I would be like, I have go. Lando. I put Lando pinky. <laughs> Four out of five children are afflicted with Lando pinky. Hi, I'm Mark Gagliardi. <laughs> and I'm Hal Loveland. And we're here today to talk about Lando pinky. For just 75 cents a day, you can give us the opportunity to tell more people about Lando Pinky. So basically contribute 75 cents a day if you're listening to this mm-hmm. to uh We Got This. Yeah, make it up to cash. We got this. 